Securities offered through Securities America, Inc., member FINRA and SIPC. Advisory services offered through Securities America Advisors, Inc. Investors Advantage and the Securities America companies are separate entities. The opinions and forecasts expressed are those of the author, may not actually come to pass, and should not be construed as a recommendation of any security or investment plan. Past performance does not guarantee future results. Welcome to Fiscal Fitness with your hosts, John Grace and Daniel Medina. They have all the questions about investing, planning, retirement, and the future. You could say it's all they live for. While it can seem daunting getting everything sorted out and the important questions answered, they'll do their best to make it that much easier. Now, here's John Grace and Daniel Medina. Good afternoon, folks. John Grace and Daniel Medina here at Fiscal Fitness on Voice America. So glad that you could spend some time with us this wonderful afternoon. Wonderful on one side, kind of wacky and wild on the other side, but that's the way Wednesdays goes, right? So we will go with how the going goes. So we like to talk about what's going on in the market, but we also like to talk about what's going on in the world. And we'll start off for a bit on what we see happening in the market, some of the things that we think you should be aware of. And one of the questions that I was dealing with at very early this morning with the group of uh, professionals is suppose you're the canary in the coal mine. What are you calling out that deserves people's attention so that they get out of the tunnel before the air comes out of the tunnel and then you're left in the tunnel to maybe fend for yourself if you survive being in that tunnel? So we like to look at things on both sides of the equation, the good, the bad, and the unforeseen, as opposed to just getting high on the hopium, which is one of the characteristics that many of our peers seem to follow. I mean, when is it not a good time to buy a stock, right? It's always a good time, except when the market's going down as you're taking withdrawal. So we'll talk about that as we go through what we think you should be aware of. But we want to touch on, as I say, how the market's doing. And then we're going to spend the majority of our time with some wonderful people that are here just for you. They're here for you because I asked them as a result of being the scholarship chair at the West Lakers Club where a bunch of good guys put some money together through finding ourselves to put forth dollars to give to scholars. So that's just last Tuesday, we were all together at the local country club with a kind of a big hoorah for us uh, and their families where they were, these, these students were presented with $2,000 checks uh, and it includes uh, five students as a total from Agoura High School in Agoura Hills, California, and five students from Westlake High School right around the corner from us here as far as the office is concerned. So we want you to understand that some people will just say, you know, the, the sky isn't falling, but the sky's always blue. So there's all these reasons to be optimistic. The truth is, as we've talked about before, I think one of the pandemic doctors put it in perspective very well when he said, you know, the problem with optimism, just blind optimism, is that it tends to breed complacency, which means you're not ready for that surprise. And it's an OS moment in reality. And of course, OS stands for oh shucks, right? Of course it does. So we want you prepared for the good, the bad, and the unforeseen, whether it's about the market or about life, but we're gonna spend some good time with some quality people that we hope, Daniel and I, to know forever because they are quality, they have good brains, they have good hearts, they've been, as I complimented their parents after looking at this bumper sticker that says raise good children, I said, parents, I want you to know you didn't raise good children, you raised great children. And I'm really glad to know all of you because of the work you've done just in raising these children. And guess what? These children appreciate you and then they demonstrate how they do. So let's talk about the market. And as we are fond 
fond of doing on these wind seasons, not just looking at what's going on in the market today, because in many cases, that doesn't give you any kind of sense for what is going on in the larger range of things. Uh, so we want to look at at least the market for the year in terms of the performance, as opposed to talking about just the activity for the day. So we're in a little bit of a red territory with the Dow today, but it's only off 3.6 points, uh, you know, one-tenth of 1%. But year-to-date, it, it's up like 12.32%. That's a very good year-to-date return. No question about it. And when we look at the Standard & Poor's 500, which is, of course, the 500 stocks, a larger representative sample than the Dow with 30 stocks, we see that year-to-date, it's up about 11.5%. And in fact, over the last 12 months, is up darn close to 40%. So markets since March 23rd, 2020 have shot to the moon. And it's been a very comfortable ride. But you know, all trees don't grow to the sky. And there are some things that we should be cognizant of in terms of what might happen next, because we want to be prepared for the good, the bad, and the ugly. Now, as we look at what's happening so far this year, again, good numbers for the Dow and the S&P, notice that when it comes to the NASDAQ, which was the darling last year in terms of driving the stock markets to an all-time high, is up a whopping 6.43%. If I'm not mistaken, Daniel, just last week, it was about half that. So we've seen NASDAQ kind of float in and out of red to black ink, losing money versus gaining money. But the thing that kind of makes us a little wary is that we're seeing that it may be a separation like we saw in 2000. You might recall that uh, the NASDAQ led the stock markets to all new highs in the last five years of the 90s. And then in 30 day, 30 months, it was off about 80%. And how that unfolded was it was the small uh, tech stocks that folded first and the larger ones and then the whole market. We're seeing some signs that that might be the kind of thing that we'll be facing again. So a couple of things here, and then we want to look at the worst case scenario because we work a lot with engineers and that's how they think. But we want to look at uh, the central banks, and this comes from Deutsche Bank. Uh, the latest reading of the back to normal index uh, shows the economy in the U.S. is uh, back about 90 percent. But investors are increasingly, and we think rightfully, warned that the Federal Reserve, uh, observing such promising data and rising inflation, will make a damaging mistake, such as moving too soon to roll back unprecedented levels of support or ignoring growing problems until they're too late. In fact, this is the Deutsche Bank survey of 620 market professionals. Just uh, I saw it on Bloomberg this morning that 39% of the respondents listed a central bank policy error as one of the top three risks to market stability, up from 21% just the previous month. And the number two um, risk that these folks see is a taper tantrum, referring to a scenario where central banks ease up on bond purchases, increasing the yields and sparking a panic in markets. The markets, as you know, doesn't like uncertainty. So let's turn our attention to the worst case scenario, Daniel, in terms of how things could turn out for retirees. Because see folks, if you're young like these folks that we're gonna to talk to in just a minute, 17 or 18, you love market volatility to the downside, to the upside, who cares? Because they're not gonna need this money for another 40 years or so, maybe 50 years. But if you're in your 70s and you're taking withdrawals and you're trying to apply that 4% rule, well, let's see. Let's just go back in time and remember 2008, where the market was off 37%. Many mutual fund fully invested in stocks were off over 40%. So if your account 
was at a million, let's say in 2008, and you were taking a modest withdrawal of only, let's say not even 4%, let's keep it at 3%. Uh, that's only $30,000. We can all agree that's a very modest withdrawal that you chose to take out or you're required to take out from uh, traditional retirement accounts. And, and notice that that withdrawal rate goes up every year, no matter what your account does for the rest of your life. So suddenly buy and hold doesn't apply. You must sell to meet the demands of the IRS with the required minimum distribution. So let's suppose that's just 3% that you chose to take out. That's $30,000. But from peak to trough, the market turned upside down 57% from peak uh, January 08 through March 8th or 9th, 2009. So that's a 570%, $570,000 deduction to your million dollars on top of your modest withdrawal of 30,000. That's $600,000. So choop, just like that disappeared. And now you're left with 400,000. And as we say, if this is a traditional retirement account, next year from your reduced balance of 400,000, you have to take out a little bit more money, <clears throat> excuse me. And if you're gonna bring around past into your 90s, you may find the withdrawal rate is more like 10 or 11%. So clearly the government is doing everything they can to make sure you take this money out and pay the tax on every dollar that you withdraw. You now need to move into a different stance, if you will. You need to move into, a, if this is worrisome for you or you're watching this account just dissipate right before your very eyes, at the beginning of your retirement experience, you wanna limit your losses to let's say no more than eight, 10, 20%. That's the question. What kind of loss is acceptable to you? Question mark. It's not about being moderate or aggressive or conservative. No, how bad can it get where you still can breathe? Is it 8%? Is it 80%? That's the first question. And then the second question is, can you build a portfolio that might perform within your rate of risk parameter? And then is the portfolio actually doing what you expected it to do, as opposed to Daniel I looking at you going, well, hang on, uh, enjoy the roller coaster ride. You know, it'll be over when it's over, but hang on and put in more money if you have any. And clearly if you're taking withdrawals, that's probably all you have or all you're gonna get. So Daniel, what do you see here in terms of uh, for, for retirees, this worst case scenario uh, that we saw at MarketWatch? Well, unfortunately, it's kind of luck of the draw. So some people are going to be doing really well and some people are going to do really bad. This is one of those things that most people just don't realize is a could be a big problem. And it's sequence of return risk. The worst thing that could happen when you retire, when you start taking money out of your accounts, is you see some down markets. If you see some down markets right away and you're taking money out, it significantly reduces the chances of you retiring with enough money. Because those, those market losses plus the decline, like John said, it makes it very hard to recover from. If you retired in the year 2000, you're in bad, you could be in bad shape. You automatically saw a 50% decline, then we rebounded, then you saw another 50% decline at the end of the decade. And throughout that whole time, you were taking money out. So as you're taking money out, the market's taking money away from you. There's not, there wasn't enough returns to get you back to even in a lot of scenarios. So for people that retired in 2000, they could be in for a lot of hurt because they could run out of money here at some point. Well, see, and that's the thing, folks. Daniel actually started here at Investors Advantage. We've been around since 1979, helping one client at a time since uh, 1979. And he, we were at a conference in 2006. He joined the firm around September, October. 
and we had this very bright individual ask this question I had never heard before. The question was, you know that there's been 150% loss on average around 2000, 2002. Suppose there's another one in the same decade. So on the way back to the office, I said, Daniel, that's a really good question. I haven't heard that question before. Let's look at this from the standpoint of how we can help people limit their losses. Because who knows, there could be another 50% loss. That was 2006. The losses started 2008. Wow, just like that. So the, the, what I'm saying to you folks, don't just say, well, it always comes back. No, suppose, just imagine what has happened in the past could happen in the future. And I'm fond of saying the problem that I see Americans have universally is we don't tend to learn so well from the past because we're so busy repeating the past. So let's suppose you're preparing for retirement within the next two years, the next five years, whatever it might be. But in the next 10 year period after you start taking uh, income because you need to or want to, let's suppose you have two, not just one, 50% loss in the same decade. How are you prepared for that? And let's be honest, most of us are not at all prepared. So what do you think of uh, Biden's, uh, this scenario with uh, Southwestern in terms of, uh, you know, how people need to stash their, slash their spending as a result, Daniel? How, how can they, what are some of the things you see they can do to prepare? I agree. Slashing spending is always a good idea, no matter who you are. Well, yeah. And I mean, some people suggest that uh, when you're looking at 30 years of taking withdrawals, uh, retirees were devastated by what, what's been called the lost decade for stocks. That was from 1999 to 2009, which included those, those devastating crashes we're talking about. So that 4% rule will only work in the, in the experience of seeing a consistent better rate of return than your 4% withdrawal, right? So if we can see a consistent 6 or 7% return that includes the declines and keep the withdrawals at three or 4%. Now you have a better chance of avoiding outliving your money. Who wants to have more time than you have money? Because then you may feel like this needs to be, let's cut to the chase and get the heck out of here. I don't want to live anymore. <laughs> Exit stage left. So you, we want to make sure that you, you don't just become complacent and just drink the Kool-Aid, discover that it's poison. And please, let's take off those rose-colored glasses that distort everything and look at things with the eye of being very realistic relative to how bad it could get. And again, make sure that you're prepared today while we're enjoying all of these, the melt up, if you will, how are you poised to be better prepared for a meltdown? That's the question, because that's when people really get scared. They really are not able to have a nice day. And let's suppose that it took over 10 or 20 or 30 years for this market to come back as you're taking withdrawals. So the whole question becomes, one, how much loss can you accept? And two, can you see the evidence that your portfolio might perform within your parameters? You can back test the results to see how your current portfolio did, let's say, just a year ago, February 19th through March 23rd, market's off 35%. Please go back to see, what did your account do? Was it two? Was it 20%? Was it 40%? Because if that's what it did last time, that's probably what it's likely to do the next time. If we can learn from the past to see how we might've been better prepared the last time, we submit that you could be better prepared for the future when these uncertainties unfold because you know it's part of the game that we play. 
So speaking of the game, I want to get to our guests today because uh, these are these are real gamers. Okay, these are real life people, and they're 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 bright as they possibly can be. And we've got uh, seven of them on the show with us today, and we're going to ask them to give us a description as to tell us a little bit about your academic achievement, and then we want to know, you know we'll go one by one, but why are you here? What are you determined to do? Because I can tell you folks, these folks see exactly what they're here to do. They are not lost in space. God bless you for that. They will not be wandering around college going, I don't know which major, I don't want to make a mistake. They're very clear. And I want to see how they feel about some of the things that are going on um, in our economy today here in in these United States. So let's see how we can do. Uh, Nilofar, uh, Golchini, would you give us a quick assessment, please, of your, how, how'd you get here? What, what, what's your academic achievement, please? Um, so basically, I moved here from Texas four years ago from a small suburb outside of Houston. And um, I came into Westlake High School not really knowing what to do. And I started volunteering with CRPD Therapeutic Rec and found out that I um I had a love for neuroscience and I worked with kids and adults with developmental disabilities. And as far as my academic achievements go, um, I've received Ventura County Board of Supervisors Recognition Award. Um, I've been a quarterfinalist, national quarterfinalist for the Elks uh, Most Valuable Student and Stellar Student Award. Um, I work with Westminster Free Clinic to provide free healthcare for low-income families in Ventura County. And I'm also the president and founder of Science National Honor Society, the president of Girl Up and Project Unify, where we promote inclusiveness on campus at Westlake. What about scores? What can you tell us? GPA scores, test scores, things scores, like that. Um, I have a 4.6 GPA out of, five, out of four. Um, I wasn't able to take the ACT or SAT because of COVID. Okay, and great. So we're gonna take a quick break and pick up with where Nilo left off with our other candidates or other scholars actually. So uh, we'll be right back. Please stay tuned, this is very exciting. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit facebook.com forward slash voice America. At Investors Advantage Corporation, our trademark statement, the proof is in the planning, represents the value we see in hard work and perseverance, coupled with a sound plan for the future. With the challenges facing our country's frontline workers, we see a lot being asked and not a lot given in return. To reward our nation's frontline employees and clients, we're offering our financial planning services free for anyone serving in those roles. So whether you're a nurse, a member of the police force, or a retail employee, we'd love to sit down with you and help you plan for the other side of this pandemic. Please feel free to share this offer with the critical infrastructure workers you know who are providing services where they are most needed. Visit ybpoor.com or call us at 805-495-2077. That's ybpoor.com or 805-495-2077. We are located in Thousand Oaks, California. Thank you for your service and we look forward to lending a hand through your financial journey. Have you become a member yet? 
Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Fiscal Fitness. To reach the show today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to contact at ybpoor.com. Now, back to Fiscal Fitness. Welcome back, folks. John Grayson, Daniel Medina here, Fiscal Fitness on Voice America. So glad you could spend this time with us today as we're meeting some very wonderful people on this great Wednesday. It's now a wonderful Wednesday, according to me. And we just heard a little bit from Nilofar Golchini from Westlake High School. Others from Westlake High include uh, Ruby uh, Foster, Gregory Levesque, Trevor Gatsby, we'll be hearing from all of them, along with the Agura High School representatives, Rachel Fox and Brittany Neal. So uh, let's go back to work. And now I want to hear from, have Gregory Levesque uh, give you a sense for his academic achievements. And in fact, uh, Gregory, you just won another award, well, the Reagan Foundation. So tell us a little bit about how that worked. Um, and, you know, real quickly, your academic achievements and how that, I see that the highest award is $5,000, and I believe you, you won $3,000, uh, and, and we'll hear from Treble, who is also one of our uh, foundation winners for the Reagan Library. Gregory Levesque. Thank you so much, sir. Uh, to everyone listening, my name is Gregory Levesque. I am a senior at Westlake High School. And as for academic achievements, uh, I hold a 4.8 GPA and I am a valedictorian of the graduating class of uh, 2021. I unfortunately was not able to take the uh, SAT or ACT due to COVID, but I do have a strong testing, testing history with AP tests. I have taken six as of uh, right now, not including senior year, and I've gotten fives on all of them, including um, Chinese is my mother is actually from Tianjin in China. It's an amazing pleasure and honor to be here with Mr. Grace and uh, yeah, looking forward to answering whatever questions come along. Yes, we will get there. And folks, I want you to know, I, I challenge these folks and I talked to uh, Gregory's mother after our, our uh, reception last Tuesday by saying, you know, if, if the world is your oyster, how can you make it work for you? Well, let's just be real clear. If you've got uh, a Chinese language, Spanish and English under your belt, the world is your oyster because you can go anywhere for an interview, okay? So understand this is the world and you're not competing with the West Coast or the South Coast or the Northern Californias. You're competing with everybody in the world. And uh, Gregory's father, I believe, is uh, French-Canadian. His mother is from uh, China. So he has a beautiful mixture, <laughs> as we all do, that we'll talk about a little bit. But that, uh, that you know, if you're talking to young people, as I'm talking to my grandniece, <laughs> and I'm hoping she's tuning in right now, I'm saying, look, you've got Spanish, you've got English, let's go for, for a, a Chinese like Mandarin, a Chinese language like Mandarin, and then you can go wherever you want because clearly you're ready. Okay, so let's see. Thank you, Gregory. Uh, Ruby Foster, what's your academic achievement? All right. Hi, everyone. My name is Ruby. Um, like Gregory, I'm also one of the valedictorians at Westlake. 
I have a 4.6 GPA, I believe, and I'm planning to go to UCSB and major in environmental studies, which is one of the passions I have. And I also hope to study abroad in a Spanish-speaking country at UCSB, um, just because I took Spanish in high school and I really enjoyed it. And there's always so much to learn and so much to improve in terms of a language and understanding a culture. True. And learning. You guys have that down. So don't stop now. Rachel, what's your story academically? Rachel Fox. Hello, um, my name is Rachel. I'm a senior at Agora High School. And like many of the other students here, I have a 4.7 GPA, one of the valedictorians of my graduating class. As far as testing goes, I have an ACT score of a 35. I am one of the National Merit finalists and one of only five National Merit finalists in the Las Virginas Unified School District. I also have a strong history with other AP scores, particularly in the STEM field. Next year, I'm going to UCLA to major in neuroscience on the pre-med track. And I've also had a lot of experiences in the STEM field in high school. For example, I was a TEDx youth presenter last summer where I presented a talk about gene editing ethics. I've coded two iOS apps, one of them being an award-winning app for the Congressional App Challenge, My Chemistry, and it helps students learn chemistry. I also am a co-founder of my school science Olympiad team, where we compete against other schools in the region in an academic decathlon style competition. And I'm a three academic subject peer tutor, and one of them being co-president of Science Honor Society at my school. So as I told Daniel, these you guys are the best of the bunch, the best of class. Okay, but Rachel, when do you sleep? Um, probably uh, not much because other than science, I'm also a heavy participator in softball as a three-year varsity player and music. I'm also one of the executive officers of the nonprofit Harmonic Youth Orchestra, is a local nonprofit that performs music at senior homes and community events, and it is an amazing organization to be a part of. Well, you guys are all amazing. That's why you're here. And speaking of amazing, Trevor Gatsby, give us a clue what you've been up to. Yeah. Hi, everyone. I'm Trevor, and I'm a senior at Westlake High School. Um, I have a 4.8 GPA, and I'm also one of the valid class valedictorians. Um, I'm really interested in business, and I'm going to be going to UCLA studying pre-business economics. Um, at, at school at Westlake, uh, I was really involved in Future Business Leaders of America, where I was the California FBLA State Vice President and also Gold Coast Section President. At the FBLA conference this last summer, I got second place in Accounting One and also the KPMG Scholarship. Um, and so that was a lot of fun studying for accounting. I also was really involved in Junior Achievement, which is an entrepreneurship organization where I created my company Hero Up in response to the local borderline shooting that happened in our community. And with Hero Up, I was able to create trauma kits that help teach community members how to stop extreme bleeding um, in situations um, so that they can just stop the bleeding and be prepared. Trauma kids, so are you an inventor? Yes, I love to create things, um, be innovative, and just think of different solutions to everyday problems. So I had to do a bunch of research to figure out the different bleeding control materials to put in the trauma kits. Well, are these on, uh something you're planning to do or something that is in existence? Where, where might we find evidence of your work? I've already um, created these trauma kits and I plan to continue them in the future and in college and maybe even create some more products such as um, wearable um, bleeding control devices. 
And you can find these by going to the Hero Up Instagram at Hero Up for Change, um, where our website will be linked in the bio. So folks, you can see quite quickly that you have good reasons to stick around. And what I said to these guys and gals is, look, just take it from here. We have not left this place in as good a spot as I thought we would have by now. And I can see you guys have bright minds and good ideas. And, and you're going to take us where we need to go as opposed to throw people under the bus, which I think we've gotten a little good at lately. And I'm, I'm, I'm really apologize for that because I thought we, we had done a better job. But I also want to make sure this is radio. So, you know, there is a browning of Americans. Some people have a problem with that. And you can't see these beautiful faces, but they're of all colors, just like America. Okay. So, uh, Trevor, tell us a little bit about family background, if you would, please. Oh, I'm sorry. Before I do that, <laughs> Trevor, let me come back to you. Let me get to Brittany and let's get her for her academic achievements in, please. Hi, I'm Brittany. I am also a senior at Agora with Rachel Fox. And I'm part of the International Baccalaureate Diploma Program, which is an international school program, sort of like AP. But instead of focusing on the things that AP focuses on, we focus a lot on discussion-based, project, research, and writing-based learning. So in every single course this year, I've created um, my own, basically come up with an idea and done a research project or some kind of speech or presentation for every single class, sometimes multiple. I am also a valedictorian. I wish I remembered my GPA. But unfortunately, I'm a little bit focused on all the other community service things I'm doing. So I'm also on the side, I am a writer. I have a website where I write flash fictions that people challenge me with a couple words. And I write flash fictions. I'm currently working on two books at the same time. Two books. Oh, my goodness. And I'm so happy I wrote Oh, yes. So, so real quickly, what are those books going to be on, Brittany? So um, one is a young adult novel that is basically challenging people. Hey, Brittany, your, sound, your sound's coming in coming real choppy. About we'll come back to you. Yeah, good idea. And you uh, might turn off your camera. Blind faith. Yeah. And it sort of compares Jen to, um, I guess, yes. Brittany, I think we're going to have to come back to you. So, Please turn off your okay, camera. Thank you. I think it's drawing power, so we'll come back. All right, Trevor. So uh, give us a little sense of your, your family background, please. Um, so my family has mainly been like from the U.S. and from California. Um, and my, both my parents and grandparents met at UCLA. So I have, um, a big home here in Los Angeles and in California. But if I go beyond that, um, back, um, I had family from England. That's where my last name comes from Gatsby, um, which is kind of close to the great Gatsby. Um, so a lot of people often, um, associate it with that. Um, and on my other side, I also have maybe a little bit of Russian and Polish and some other, um, central, um, European countries. All right. And folks, you know, it, it's interesting how we do things or we've come into the practice of doing things here in these United States of America. As I was talking with a friend of mine whose family originates from Russia, you know, when you're European, we just call you Americans when you get here. 
But if your family didn't come from the UK, but someplace like uh, Africa or South America or anywhere in Asia, well, we have to put your original country before we put your name. Isn't that interesting? You just can't be, I just can't be an American. I have to be an African-American. I think that's really crazy. I just want to be an American. That's the only history I have. And I love it when people say, go back to your country. My attitude is you go first. You figure out where you belong and you go there. And I might follow your example, but I belong here. You go where you like, but this is America. That's what it's all about. Neela, what's uh, your background, please? Thanks, Trevor. Um, yeah, so both my parents are from Iran. Um, my mom was born in Tehran, in Tehran, and my father's from a small vi- village on the south side of Iran. So he's Azerbaijani, which is like a Turkish, Turkish Persian. And my mom actually came here. Um, she fled the revolution, the Iranian revolution. She was in her 20s and uh, late teens. And my father got his MD from Tehran University, so came on over, and now we're all here. I'm 100% Persian. <laughs> well, you'll, you'll appreciate one of our good clients happens to be a former uh, captain of a, of, the, of a submarine in Iran. And he's been here a long time and done very well for himself. So this is, this is the spot where people belong. <laughs> Rachel, give us a sense for your family history, please. So my parents are, and my grandparents are all from the East Coast. Um, Both of my parents actually were born in Connecticut. Um, And if I go back a few more generations, uh, my family has come from um, uh, more Central European countries, such as Russia and Poland. And then uh, my family, they ended up all coming to America. And then my parents moved to the West Coast. So now I'm in Southern California. Welcome to Southern California. I was on a plane coming back from Portland and a gentleman and I were talking, uh, he's 22. I said, you know, it's your first trip to LA. Be careful because, you know, if you play here, you might want to stay here. It just happens. But we've got room for you. We like you just the way you are. Don't care about your family history. We got room in SoCal. Come on down. So let's see. Brittany, how about you? So my dad was raised in upstate New York. My mom was raised in Florida and going further back. My dad's side of the family is from Ireland, and my mom's side of the family, like Rachel's, is from Russia and Poland. We're both Polish Jews. All right. Welcome. Glad to have you. So let's see. Who am I missing here? Uh, Ruby. Yes. Hello. Um, So there's five kids in my family. Uh, My mom grew up in New York and my dad in California, but my dad is half Filipino. Uh, He has a lot of big family from the Philippines. And on my mom's side, mainly Polish and German. All right. And a beautiful combination. So did we hear from everybody? Did I miss anybody for uh, Greg? Gregory? Oh, yes. We know. Gregory, tell us, bring us up to speed on on your origin. (laughs) Yes, sir. Um, My mom immigrated here from uh, Tianjin, China. And uh, my father, as you said earlier, he is French-Canadian, although um, he's been born and raised in California his entire life. His, his parents were actually the ones that immigrated to this country. But uh, I think there's something really beautiful, America in and of itself. And from a young age, uh, I, I've had Mandarin drilled into me. So growing up bilingual and understanding different cultures, how to communicate and interact, there's something really important there. And I think it is something that we should focus on a bit more. I couldn't agree with you more. And uh, like I say, you know, we're, we're, there's uh, so many countries that are not replicating themselves. The, the, the people are just not having enough children 
to replace the people who are passing on. And unfortunately, I think the US of A has moved into that space up until 2008. We were one of the developing countries that uh, was, well, we're the only one in 2008 that was replicating ourselves. Since then, we've joined the other developing countries uh, where that's just not happening for a host of reasons, but it helps people understand, for example, uh, good friends, I think of them as family from Argentina when they went to a wedding and brought their one-year-old into Italy, they couldn't find diapers for the one-year-old. What? No diapers? Well, everybody's over 70. I, I'm making that up. But clearly, the diapers that they could find is for, our, they're the only ones that are selling anymore, happen to be for old people. And people aren't having children the way, the way we all used to. So um, it's my sense that we need to be finding ways to make it safe for more immigrants to come into the country. And some people have an issue with that, but let me put it in perspective. We have clients in Maine where they have resources, they have long-term care, and guess what they cannot find? They can't find healthcare workers. So um, we're gonna pick up where we left off. We're gonna take a quick break and we'll be right back. Voice America is on your favorite smart speaker. If you have Alexa or Google Home, go ahead and give us a try. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast on TuneIn. At Investors Advantage Corporation, our trademark statement, the proof is in the planning, represents the value we see in hard work and perseverance, coupled with a sound plan for the future. With the challenges facing our country's frontline workers, we see a lot being asked and not a lot given in return. To reward our nation's frontline employees and clients, we're offering our financial planning services free for anyone serving in those roles. So whether you're a nurse, a member of the police force, or a retail employee, we'd love to sit down with you and help you plan for the other side of this pandemic. Please feel free to share this offer with the critical infrastructure workers you know who are providing services where they are most needed. Visit ybpoor.com or call us at 805-495-2077. That's ybpoor.com or 805-495-2077. We are located in Thousand Oaks, California. Thank you for your service, and we look forward to lending a hand through your financial journey. The latest business information is made simple with the Voice America Business Network. The professionals in the business world bring you live talk radio shows featuring an array of business topics, strategies for building wealth, sales and marketing, stock trading, investing, and business technology. Voice America business hosts are professionals in their fields and bring to the airwaves weekly business discussions that offer up-to-date information, advice, and education. The Voice America Business Network. The bottom line in business talk. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Fiscal Fitness. To reach the show today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to contact at ybpoor.com. Now, back to Fiscal Fitness. Welcome back, my friends. So glad you could join us this beautiful afternoon with these wonderful people from Magura High and Westlake High Schools right here in the Caneo Valley, Southern California. And we want to turn our attention to 
uh, something that I think needs to be discussed. And the more we discuss it, the more we open the doors and turn on the lights in the room as opposed to bump into things, okay? And, and let's go back to what was it just a year ago, we saw what happened, the murder of George Floyd, okay? Have we learned anything really? Are we making any real progress? And I'm always uh, have to reference that uh, second paragraph of the United States Declaration of Independence, which we all know reads, we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, really, uh, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Now, when I was the age of these students, that was high school age, I was convinced all men meant all men and women. That's how I interpreted what was written. But if we look a little bit closer under the hood, we know that was not true. It was only for Caucasian men. Those were the only ones who counted. That's the truth. Women did not count at all, no matter their complexion. Neither did the original people who were already here, nor the imports, no matter how they got here, because that's the way uh, we didn't say it as, uh, you know, it wasn't that descriptive, but that's the real reason that that's how it was really formed. And those are the people that they were talking about. So let's talk about race relations in these United States of America. And, and uh, let's start with you, uh, with Gregory Levesque, uh, given that your, your mother's from China, your father's really from America, but his family's from, from Canada. Well, what do you see? Are, are we making progress here? And what are you guys gonna do to make sure we make some progress? Sorry, two questions. What do you see and what are you gonna do? All right. Yes, sir. So um, something that first off I wanna say is that uh, I have spent time in China. I have spent quite a bit of time there, both visiting family and even uh, when I was in elementary school as an exchange student, as a part of a program that my, uh, my mom put me in. But something that I realized uh, by spending time in a developing nation is that racism exists and it is a problem. But compared to the US, there are a lot of places that do have it a lot worse. My mom fled political oppression in China. That was her entire reason for coming here. And she's raised a son who now wants to go into the public sector and work for the government to help benefit the lives of others. I want to give back to this country that gave my mom an opportunity really to live. And I'm going to be attending the School of Foreign Service at Georgetown University in Washington, D.C. in the fall to achieve that goal. And I did think that America did have its issues. And I'm not saying it's perfect. No country is in this regard. But after I visited, you know, another nation so many times, and I've really had grounds to compare what's going on here to what's going on over there, I do think there is a bit that we should be grateful for. Um, my family personally has not had many incidents of racism. And really, there have been a few, but when we compare that to the freedom that we have here in this country, I think there is a lot of good to look at in addition to the things that we do have to focus on and work for. I could agree with that. We've got to, you know, and it's good to travel. I encourage people, particularly who were born and raised in Southern California, get the heck out of Dodge, <laughs> go someplace else, see what it's like there. You know, my first trip as a pre-med student uh, to New York was discovering how the people on the East Coast measure distance in miles and the West Coast measures distance in time. We don't care how many miles it takes, it's how much time it takes to get from point A to point B. So uh, I appreciate that you have been outside the country uh, and can see some of the things that need to be done here as well as elsewhere. But we're supposed to be the, the city on the hill. So I, I really ask us to do more. Nilo, what's your take? Um, I could agree with Gregory on the fact that we do have a lot to be grateful for in America. But there's also a lot of discrepancies happening right now. Like, I don't, 
I do know that this is the land of the free, but is it really the land of the free if a person of color is going out in public and they're scared, they're, they see a police officer, they put their head down, like that, that's not living free. Okay, there needs, there is an ingrained bias in everybody in America, especially if you're white, you are a product of your ancestors, but people of color, they're a product of choices they didn't make. They didn't, they were forced to come over and become slaves, okay? We are on different levels of, um, of ahead of each other. And I think that's something that with George Floyd's death and everything that's been going on for the past year, that is continuing to be recognized and hopefully we can make steps towards um, equality. And what I'm hoping to do in the future is um, health discrepancy. So there's a lot of health inequality going on right now. And for example, um, a person, a black woman is 10 times more likely to die during labor than a white woman is. And that we are all have the same body that this is an issue inside the medical field rather than um, an issue of our body and autonomy. Well said. And uh, one of the things that I've been on talk shows before, and we're talking about how the level of income is the highest it's ever been, but people need to look a little closer into the hood because it's 65,000 or so for the average in the country. But for black people, it's all at 40,000, really? 40,000? What can you do anywhere in the country on 40,000? For Asian Americans, it's almost, it's close to 100,000. And people like to say, well, what do you attribute that to? And I go, I don't know, I haven't studied it, but I suspect we all should have done what you guys have done. And that's spent more time in math and more times in science classes. And let's understand in, in the United States of America, math might be the only four letter word we don't like using and you guys do. And that's one of the reasons you're here. So Rachel, how do you see things? Well, I agree with um, the other students that have already spoken that while there is some, while there is a way to recognize that in a lot of ways, people have a lot of rights in America. However, there are a lot of discrepancies in industries, for example, in the sports industry or in the medical industry, or even just in general in business, that people always have an implicit bias toward or against a certain group. And obviously that is going to affect how people see the people see people of different races and that's going to affect how people act and how people are affected. And that is something that I believe that as young people today, we need to really take the opportunity to have conversations with other people in our communities to really try to find the source of this bias, this implicit bias that people have and to talk about it and to really, I guess, change our opinion or not exactly like to make it more like equitable for everybody. So then people are striving toward equality instead of ignoring the issue and then keep going further and further away. So people become more polar opposites. Instead, I think it's really good that the past year people have started to have a conversation about what is going on in our society and how what can we do to fix it and we are taking the steps toward getting more equality and equity in our society and i feel like that as young people we really do have a large role in helping everyone as a society get more strive more toward equality all right. Yeah. Nothing like a conversation. In fact, one of our shows was called The Courage of Conversation. So this is a healthy thing to do. Trevor, your take. I would say that I think people need to be more open to each other and just more empathetic and understanding. Um, since I feel like people um, lately a lot have been using like us versus them language, we need to all understand that 
everyone really in the end wants something very similar. Everyone really wants to be happy, um, wants to have like freedom, wants to be able to like choose their own things and um, also have like equal opportunity. And I think a lot of this comes down to also in education. I think we really need to um, stress education and make sure that um, everyone in like the younger generation, like regardless of race, um, color, religion, any of that, everyone is just educated um, so that they'll be able to have the same opportunities um, to succeed in the future. Well, you know what, you talk about happiness and uh, a couple of things here. One, Daniel, you might like to know, and you guys will like to know as well, because this is your future. But guess what? The age that people describe they are the happiest happens to be 36. That's interesting. It's just something. Isn't that fascinating? And the other thing is when it comes to happiness, this was a report I just read over the weekend that submits the clue to being happy is doing something for somebody else. And I see that over and over and over again with you amazing people, you, you scholars. So you, I think you get that already. It's part of your DNA. So I really appreciate that. Who did I miss? Brittany? Hi. Uh, so my opinion on this, I agree with a lot of you guys. And John, when you said the fact that people call someone an African-American or an Asian-American, having those terms creates this idea of a difference between different races. Bingo. And I think it really comes down to like what Rachel said, addressing where do those implicit biases, how are they taught? When are they taught? And part of what I'm actually working on in one of my books is I'm writing a children's book that's a love story between a prince who is supposed to find a princess to marry, but he's actually in love with his best friend who's a servant. And the servant also happens to be a boy, but I, it was very important to me the conflict was not homophobia, that the conflict was not the fact that they were two boys, because I believe that raising children to believe that in the past, something has been a problem before you even introduce those different races, those different genders, those different things. If you first introduce them as in the past, people were homophobic, kids will see, oh, is this a problem? If you introduce originally as boys and girls love each other, boys and boys love each other, girls and girls love each other, people who don't identify by any gender love each other, and then you maybe later teach them as they're into elementary school, as they're into middle school or high school, then you start to teach about those things. People realize how ridiculous a lot of these classifications and differences and stereotypes that we have are. And so I truly believe that the best way to start to address this is to start to raise generations without seeing these differences, without calling people African-American or Asian-American, without first labeling people but first realizing that everybody at the core is a human being and then educating on the past mistakes that we made and the past sort of silly stereotypes that we decided to really rule our lives by. And that's the way that I see a solution. Well, and I, I think that's important. And those are some of the things that we all just need to recognize. Okay. Cause it, the pandemic helped us all to see what, where are we? We're all breathing the same air, drinking the same water a minute ago, flying the same airplane. So we really are all in this together, whether it's by country or by nation or by the world, we're all trying to survive and thrive. And who doesn't want that to happen? So let's finish with this question because uh, we, we, there was just apparently a, a shooting in San Jose, a gunman killed eight people. 
just earlier today uh, at a light rail facility. The suspected shooter is dead. And uh, we spent so much time with wondering what the motivation was. But I'm really curious how you guys uh, find uh, how, what we're doing with gun violence these days. And, and by the way, I thought of you watching the movie Parkland Rising, uh, which is a great movie. And it ended interesting, I thought, with David Hogue's family revealing at the end of the movie Parkland Rising that uh, the family, and remember his dad is a retired FBI agent and they like guns, but they're, they have moved from Florida to Washington, D.C. So it, interesting enough, they told him to cool it and now they're behind him because you can clearly see he's been motivated. It, it, he's been touched in a way that nobody wants to go down that road. But I also, I like looking at things from this standpoint. And this comes from the Washington Post with an estimated 120 guns for every resident for every 100 residents in the USA, the firearm ownership rate in the United States is twice that of the next highest nation. Let's see, uh, let's start with you, Brittany. What do you think about gun control or gun violence these days? What should we do here? What do I think about gun control? Um, I definitely think there should be increased screenings, deep psychological screenings, if we're going to allow people to have firearms. And I definitely think there currently is a very open policy for allowing people to have, I forgot what they're called, but those firearms that continue to shoot multiple bullets at a time, where that really is not very defense focused. And that's really sort of military level gun allowance. And I definitely believe that while having a gun fast in our very kind of high commodity focused society, we like to have things immediately sounds appealing. I truly believe that in order to be allowed to possess a gun, it should be a lot harder than taking a driving test. <laughs> Indeed. So I think it was uh, Kentucky. They said it's easier to get uh, a gun than it is to get the vaccine. <laughs> that was last month. So Ruby, what are your thoughts real quickly, please? I definitely agree by, with Brittany. I think these events are tragic and I think we need a lot more control and regulation. And also, I just want to say I'm really inspired by all the youth, as I'm sure everyone here is, um, who speak up uh, against these issues and many of whom are personally affected by these shootings. Thank you. How about you, Nilo? Yeah, I, um, I also agree with uh, Ruby and Brittany. Gun control is something that needs to be more enforced in America. I know Texas just passed a law where anybody can go out and have a handgun, which I think um, we're taking a step back when we should be moving forward. A lot of the times if you have a handgun and someone can make you mad, you, you use your emotions to lead your actions instead of logic. And I think that's where the screening needs to come in and the psychological um, evaluations in order to get a gun. It shouldn't be as easily accessible as it is in America. And that's why these shootings do occur. All right, Trevor, thoughts real quick? Yeah, I definitely um, agree with everyone. And I think, yeah, there does need to be reform. I think in the US we have the unique situation since it is part of our history with the colonists and all of that. But I think times have changed and we do need to look towards the future. Um, but I also do think that um, people in America do also need to learn better bleeding control and also just be prepared for the situation if um, gun violence does happen so we can be prepared on both ends. Thank you, Mr. Inventor Trevor Gatsby Gatsby. So I just wanna say folks, you can see that uh, these 
people have the absolute wonderful capability with critical thinking. They process well. And that's a habit that all of us need to develop in these United States of America. Some of us are just too easy to glom onto some idea that might resonate, but it has no value and has no foundation. So I'm suggesting that we all spend more time trying to help each other do better critical thinking, no matter where we learned it. Some of us was at home, some of us at school, some of it's on the job, but it's one of the things that's missing here today. And I think that would be a big improvement for us to encourage each other to bounce ideas and look at concepts as opposed to just repeat what we might've heard on a uh, television program. So folks, we're gonna leave it there. Uh, we hope you enjoyed this program as much as we enjoy putting it on for you. And we couldn't have done it without these amazing people in our lives. So we're looking forward to them taking over and doing what it is they do so well. Daniel Medina and I will be right back here, same time, same station, next Wednesday, 12 noon on Voice America. Thank you for tuning to Fiscal Fitness. Please join John Grace and co-host Daniel Medina again next Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time and 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have an excellent week.